0: Welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Jeff Gibbs. Born in Flint, Michigan, Gibbs has produced and co-produced some of the most important documentaries of the past two decades to include Michael Moore in Trumpland, At the End of the World, Shut Up and Sing, Fahrenheit 9-11, and Bowling for Columbine. In 2019, reversing roles with Michael Moore, whose films he had previously produced, Gibbs directed Planet of the Humans. This film provoked much controversy, especially after Michael Moore released it on YouTube for free viewing on 21 April 2020, the eve of the 50th anniversary of the first Earth Day. It was then that this film became a wider target of a censorship campaign being condemned as inaccurate and misleading by climate scientists and activists, despite the fact that nobody was able to demonstrate actual inaccuracies within Gibbs film, which many consider to be a full frontal assault on the sacred cows of the environmental movement. I welcome Jeff Gibbs to Savage Minds. Your film went after the sacred cows of the environmental movement, and you did something that I've always thought in the back of my head was a thing, in the sense of when I was living in Brooklyn in the early nineties, I lived above an Echo Green store that popped out of nowhere in 1991. And they started selling recycled toilet paper and over the years it became led lights that were able to be recharged by this mini solar power on the back of your bike and the store became quite a hit are we using more energy to build a wind turbine or a solar panel then we will get use out of it and your film goes right at that you pissed off a lot of people jeff in making the film
1: that's right and uh if you don't piss somebody off, you're probably not making the right movie or writing the right book, uh, if you're trying to make change. Um, and that's one of the, uh, it's one of the rules of making change. If you're really worried about, um, you know, upsetting people, it's probably not going to, um, you know, you're, you you may you're probably not going to succeed. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me on uh, Julian and um, the um, I think we might have you know, in your neck of the woods, there's also um, I don't know if you ever heard of Rob Stewart who made um, Sharkwater. I, I drove to Ontario, Ontario a couple times to help him um, button up his uh, film. I was a big fan um, of that movie. I saw it in New York when I was um, living in New York. He, he showed it at a small festival there. Um, and then um, Julia Barnes lives I think not too far from um, Hamilton. Uh, she worked on uh, Break Green Lies. She made a film called break green lies um and um i just got off the phone with um in fact i have to get my own podcast going with um paul watson um who i don't you know is is canadian um and then there's the um so there's a long tradition of environmental activism and awareness um in canada that people may or may not be aware of but there's also a long tradition of environmental devastation um in canada and uh and in Michigan. And, uh, you know, we're for the people don't know we're neighbors. And, um uh, you know, when we were kids, we used to, you know, um, just take a drive to Canada to, you know, get a few drinks for party or whatever. Um, it, the film was only taken down from YouTube for a few days. And that was mostly where it was available at the time. Um, but about many, you know, it was, now it's available in many different places on uh Amazon Prime on um, on um Apple TV on um Google Play Google Google Studio and um right now I I was I only intended to have the free version up on YouTube for a few weeks but we were getting millions of views so I decided to leave it um up longer and then um you know just recently I took it down for a little bit. I'm trying to decide which way to go next with it, but it's certainly, if you go to planetthehumans.com, you can see where it's available. And we had it translated into a number of languages. And, um, um so it's, it's, it is out there. And, um, we were a big threat to, um, to basically trillions of dollars, um, in, uh, so-called green technology and billions of dollars invested in the idea, billions and trillions in the idea that um, the problem before us is climate change only. And the solution is more technology, uh, carbon free technology, and then the world will be saved. And um, one of the things that um, is really important to me to um, be aware of with the movie is that, you know, we're all re- right now, you know, many people, most people are freaked out by what's been happening this summer with the weather and um, with the the climate and the uh, the heat and the you mentioned the extreme wind and the storms. Um, that's a very interesting discussion to have because um, where was the announcement that we just set a record in the number of trees logged by humans, the number of acres of land turned to desert by humans. Um, we just set a record for the number of sharks killed, you know, humans kill uh, the numbers are all over the place, but it's safe to say 100 million, I've heard a billion uh, before, sharks per year. You know, where is the, so? where is the news that we just set another record for the amount of fish depleted from the ocean? There have been more fish taken from, this is probably the least amount of fish that have been in the ocean for millions of years, maybe since the last asteroid strike. Where is that press release? Why is that not on the news? So the things that are, are freaking everybody out this year are the things that affect us, right? The things that we have a hard time coping with. So we glide along destroying nature on multiple fronts, of which climate change according to, um, you know, almost every study when you when you actually look into what is driving species to extinction, Climate change is in the top ten is it in the top five i 'm not sure but because but most people would be shocked to hear that. Um, we hear the story in Australia the fires in in 2020 that happened uh, i think uh, that was, was going to be the big story before the pandemic the fires and the horrible fires in australia um, killing half a billion um, mammals and and uh marsupials and, you know, and wild creatures. Yet cats and invasive species brought by humans kill a billion wild animals every single year in Australia. You know, in North America, um, buildings, birds running into buildings kill 300 million birds every year. Three hundred million. You know, so anyways, ...part of the reason before, you know, I'm glad to talk about the energy part of this and uh, all that part, but it's important for me to understand that my driving force is that we humans are in the situation that's, that's called overshoot, and that we, we are on the leading edge of the collapse of um, human civilization. I, re- I really think that that's true. But our attack and collapse of nature is very, very, very far along. And only now that the blowback is hitting us, are we going, oh my God, this is so horrible. Oh, how can it be? It's like, you know, um, so if you, you know, the, uh, there's a statistic you may have heard that where 97% of mammals on the planet are now humans, farm animals, or pets. Only wild mammals on the planet, this is by biomass, by weight, only 3%. So tracing all of the wild animals, I, I'm imagining that, I don't know if that includes the mastodons and the mammoths and those, but that's how much of the surface of the earth and the, the life on earth we've turned to um, human purpose. So, you know, we go, oh, there's still a few orangutans. Oh, there's still some deer. Oh, there's still some wolves. Oh, look, uh, beavers came back to part of Europe. Um, oh, look, some bears came back. But we we are constantly rationalizing our destruction of nature um and so this so this is um so to me the climate f- frame is a very human-centric frame um because think about the rising oceans you know in the in the us let's say um the coastline of florida and in new, and new york uh, is underwater in new jersey that's bad for us. But it's, 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 you know, if nature is going to create more habitat, um, you know, it's I mean, it's it's a mixed bag for nature. But in the end, um, we're in the way of nature creating more habitat as the oceans rise as the Great Lakes where I live, rise, or fall. Um, you know, nature could adjust, except we're hell bent on making sure that we don't have to change a single damn thing about our presence on this planet. Um, And uh, so, which brings us to the green movement. That's why I wind up making a movie focused on this fake green movement, because uh, in the end, it's a distraction from understanding that humans have limits and that we've exceeded them. And many of the things that you were discussing that I too ran into in New York and, and went to and was kind of excited about, but they're all just different ways of doing the human dance without having to really face that we've far exceeded um, planetary boundaries so that's my sermon for this morning and uh
0: you got a lot of pushback from some of the ideas about population in the film people got really offended and it's something that i noticed that there are certain countries that go there and certain countries that don't on this planet as a i'm thinking culturally where there's a bit of a taboo around telling people that we need to start to talk about, dare I say, population, because people hear eugenics, they hear even genocide uh, and and they make the jump, right? And are talking about family planning. These are things that when it's It's placed in terms of let's say the 1970s movement of feminism that's okay, but when you talk about ecocide genocide of the planet of of people who are slowly contributing contributing to their future. Non existence, then that's taboo and it's rather weird to me that we can't talk about population.
1: I'm not that familiar with your show, but I think you are familiar with this territory um, just at a glance is that in this bizarre way, the radical right and the radical left have become the same. And so, um, by the way, I never mentioned population without talking about consumption because the two are intimately coll- connected. Uh, for instance, what's the sustainable number of Elon Musk's? That would be zero. So, you know, that single person's consumption and wealth can't be supported by this planet in the, uh, in the long run. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like upside down world when people are told that even to discuss family planning is racist or sexist or, um, where I'm coming from is, um, a biocentric point of view. When you actually dive into why is the habitat disappearing, um, in this country or that country, it's the expansion of consumption and the expansion of population. And, um, when you actually look at any kind of research piece that discusses this species after species, ecosystem after ecosystem, it's these two things working together. And so I think a lot of people on the left that consider themselves radical leftists in some form, or other, um, are completely unaware of their blind spot in which they're merely rationalizing the very capitalist growth um, message that we've all been living in our entire lives and spitting it back out in the form of, you can't talk about population, you can't talk about consumption. What do you mean? No, it's just the carbon. Well, it's climate change, it's carbon. What are you doing talking about? There's too many people, there's too much consumption. It's, it's like, um, well, I'm not talking about this. Just pick up a study that talks about um, the end of the rainforest, the end of habitat, the end of elephants, the end of lions. Um it's not the carbon that's wiping them out. Does that make any sense?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: But the carbon is affecting us now. It's affecting... The carbon is a boundary that says that civilization, a civilization, civilization with 8 billion humans is unsustainable. And so that's why we're hyper-focused on carbon. Uh, we are... We, you can graph the last elephants. You can graph the last fish. You can graph the last, um, you know, polar bears. You know, polar bears were in decline um because of hunting that knocked their numbers way down and there was some confusion because for a while polar bears uh numbers were actually um increasing despite uh climate change affecting their habitat that's because uh finally um, the us and canada banned polar bear hunting so the numbers were going up for for a bit so it's it's not all bad news either you know we find that when uh, humans Um, you know, whatever you think of the pandemic shutdown, nature did begin to recover. The skies got blue, animals came out of hiding. Um, During the uh, days after 9-11, the skies got blue again when all the flights shut down. Um, During the Great Recession, um, things began to rewild a bit. And uh, so, you know, the it's funny people, people have referred to the pandemic, we actually need a plan to get ourselves under control, um, that does take care of people and that we can agree on because um, doing it through this happening through chaos is, is is, um, not going to be pretty. And uh, look at all the social split that's still happening because of the the COVID shutdown.
0: The COVID lockdowns uh, ended up creating more division because they where the governments were able to successfully pit people against each other. And and like you just noted, I wrote a piece about about what happened here in Italy when lockdown happened. Venice is notoriously overcrowded and that means overpolluted because the boats are carrying more probably more tourists on summer days than definitely locals on most days through from the spring through the fall. And suddenly animals returned to the canals, people, uh, their absence helped the earth, but the, the fact that now we're in this very strange uh, dilemma, uh, even economically, because COVID also, the, the pandemic handling, I should say, shut down economies, people suffered, and class distinction was everywhere but no one was actually allowed to discuss it because we were being, just like with the Green Revolution, being told how great it is, people were being told how, it reminded me of of Terry Gilliam's Brazil, when people would, you know, in that movie would say, we're all in it together. And there were billboards everywhere to get people to comply with these weird futuristic government mandates with these signs, we're all in it together. And, And ironically, a version of that populated public walkways and and metros in in the uk and public transport and so this idea that we're all in it together to get people to lock down to stay at home while class divisions were what was actually the engine of this the pajama class was very happy to sit on their couch and make money while the working class did not and you know this because as not only having produced a lot of michael moore's films where in fact the look at the auto industry right there from where you come these are working class bedrocks the idea that if you tell people you can't go out of your house and earn a living that somehow you're going to be harming other people by doing that Uh, I mean, we're now, you know, since the Twitter files have happened, we've been getting more information about what messaging we got and how much it was wrong. But at the same time, the world itself, we're seeing this, uh, it's falling apart. And people don't seem willing to have discussions that are necessary for this. Can humans go on at this level of reproduction, basically? because the the statistics you just gave about how many animals are not on the planet is depressing it's depressing to think that you read about Australian uh, these toads that have taken over that weren't actually a to Australia so we're seeing these invasive species oh to think read about the Everglades and all these people's pet boa constrictors that they got bored with dumped into the everglades and now the everglades is home to all these very distinct animals that come from various parts originally of south america and africa it's bizarre
1: it's it's bizarre and it's very multifaceted and and, um like i want to come back to this um cane toad and the um invasive species thing but i just want to um mention that you know we probably have um you know we may have widely varying views on the COVID lockdown um the um, but the thing that's gotten lost is um, that people are being driven. You know, people on the left need to understand. On the left, and people in America that want to see um somebody a Democrat elected, I you know what um I there's things that Biden have done. And this this Build Back Better thing with the trillions of dollars in green energy is. I've got some things I've written that I haven't published. You know, this I see this as the final nail in the coffin, one of the final nails in the coffin of um of the planet, of of our mother earth. And um this this hellacious expansion in the name of green energy. And uh this is this is a, this is a story that's um I'll just throw out a couple things. I was with some people in the desert, um uh, in Nevada and California, who explained that one single solar array had been given an exemption to the Endangered Species Act to to harass, however it's worded, something like harass, injure, or kill tens of thousands of um, wild species that live there. Could be desert fox, could be desert tortoise, um, it could be mice. It could be you know. Whatever else lives there. I thought, when I met with them, I thought, this is, this can't be true. This just sounds insane. So I went to the East Coast, and I've been talking with people about the um, uh, offshore wind development off the eastern United States. Um, th- it's going in off the coast of Massachusetts, was, which was ground zero for whaling on planet Earth and, and the whale wealth and whaling for energy. Um, down to New Jersey is where the big push is right now. Um, the people there have totaled up the exemptions for these um, wind, quote-unquote, farms, these industrial wind installations offshore. Um, it's hundreds of thousands. I've heard the number 600 to 800,000 um, Tallying up all of the incidental take, the exemptions to the Endangered Species Act for sea mammals alone, which includes whales, which includes hundreds of whales, including the North, the, the um ...highly endangered North Atlantic right whale. So I see what Biden's doing and the Democrats who I've always, you know, if I vote, I vote Democrat or green. Um, but we look, so I, I would still vote for Biden as opposed to Trump or anybody like Trump, I'm as horrible as, as, uh, you know, some of the things that Biden has done. Um, but my friends on the left and the Dem- fellow Democrats and progressives don't realize that they're driving people to, to all kinds of crazy places by their unwillingness to broker any discussion. You know, if you don't say that solar and wind are going to save us, if you don't say just the right things about gender, if you don't say just the right, thing, right things about the pandemic, um, you're kicked to the curb. I mean, you're, uh, you can't even make a living doing your. Um, like public speaking and that kind of thing, if you, you know, you're just, um, and that's kind of what they tried to do to us. They tried to um, make uh, myself and then Ozzie Zenner, who you see in the film and who helped me um, produce it. Um, they, they couldn't mm-hmm. get through to Michael Moore, but they really tried to destroy us and uh, um, mean-spirited. Um, they tried to destroy the movie. It, I knew it would be controversial, but I was shocked at the the mean-spiritedness and the, um, the extent at which, um, they were willing to go to shut us down. It's like, it's, it was just, it was unbelievable, especially uh, given the other things I knew had worked on, especially since we were seeing the power of the film, we were seeing audiences that were just actually blown away, we, we learned that if we sent somebody a cut of the film to review, we might not hear from them for a few days, because they were just like had to get over the the shock um, of it. So, yeah, so that's I think the time we're in where I want to have discussions with people with different views than me and learn something. Hopefully, they'll learn something. Um, and uh, be, I, is that happening around the world too? Is that just is just a, is the U.S. losing its mind more than everyone else? This division where you can't if you don't go with if if you don't agree, uh, then you're out.
0: Oh, that's what I've been spending the last decade in journalism, looking at effectively, because we see this everywhere. I am interviewing one of the many actors from the theater world in New York and Hollywood, who were told that they can't work if they don't get the vaccine. And she pointed out to me that this was in contravention of ethics coming out of the Nuremberg trials, which is actually correct. And it's funny because I'm working on another subject that also interfaces with the Nuremberg trials, which is this medicalization of children because they identify as the opposite sex, but we're calling it gender and let's just play with language. This has caused so much division. In families friendship groups at work, people have lost jobs and i've been writing about this for 10 years it's crazy Jeff because. You would think like 10 years ago or let's just say 20 years ago during the height of post 911 nonsense with W Bush who somehow has been re venerated by the neoliberal left of CNN and MSNBC don't ask me about that that's weird if you asked me 20 years ago of saying that sex is immutable that humans are sexually dimorphic if that would ever be controversial, I would have said, of course not that's just a truism and no, 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 things are falling apart if you follow what's happened in the UK. I do believe it's very linked to the failure of what's happening in the economy people can't get jobs you've got Americans going to uni coming out with six figures in debt, who are not able to get jobs that will pay that off. Uh, someone was telling me the other day, that there is now specialized publicity advertising aimed at seniors who still have to pay off their student loans. Oh, yeah. It's oh, crazy. my gosh,
1: and we've largely bought into it for a future that um, our mental map of what the world what's happening in the world and where the world is headed is, is does not match reality and every day that passes it's getting further adrift from reality. So We've been told for a generation now, um, ever since an inconvenient truth came out uh, in 2005, was it, um, that uh, you know that um, we can have our planet and eat it too. That that's one of the the problems with the old green energy myth is that we're um, the limits to growth. People have been, you know, we're kicked to the curb. Occasionally, you hear a little bit about it, but we've been told that we can have the same future, maybe even better, at least the same. Um, no must, no fuss. All we need is, is technology, and green technology will provide that. So as it becomes clear, uh, that that's not possible, for example, you know, think of the re- refugee issues uh, that you're experiencing uh, around the Mediterranean and uh, around the world that we're experiencing in the US. Um, we're all, if any, if it's discussed at all in terms of why they're refugees, it's, it's, oh, they're climate refugees. Okay. Hmm. Uh, what about the fact that there are a billion people living in Africa where there were only a few hundred million, tens of millions at one point, uh, after Europeans arrived? How about the fact that there are a billion people, um, in the Middle East that weren't there? the population was far smaller. How about the fact that our consumption, the consumption of the China and then the U.S. and Europe has devastated Africa, has devastated um, parts of the world, and that agriculture um, has helped expand desertification around the world. Um, you know, there, the, issue, the environmental issues that people are experiencing, um, are a combination of a human species with no off switch and an industrial civilization that's way overshot its boundaries and it's going everywhere it can can go to deforest to mine um know, mining is a very significant part of the um, destruction of the amazon uh rainforest and then agriculture is is way up there um and population growth it's like but we're not we're not talking about the fact that there's a clash between our expanding human wants and desires and our our desire to have no limits. People are told we can have it all so um, when something happens and things ratchet down a bit, everybody gets confused and upset. Um, where I'm from in Flint, Michigan, we experienced the end of the world in a sense, in the collapse of the economy, and we weren't prepared for it, and it was very rough and horrible and ugly thing to see where you grow up, just literally destroyed. I mean, it's it's like an atomic bomb of sorts went off there. And um, it's, um, you know, the people were poisoned. And so, I, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, uh, you've heard talk of the, um, the idea that there's, you know, the, the elites are planning, you know, some kind of a uh, global conspiracy to, to um, depopulate or to do this or that. It's like, I don't know about that. All I know is we better t- collectively start talking about how we're going to get through this. There is going to be a reduction in our human presence on this planet. We can sit back and let it happen naturally. We're not going to like it at all. Um, I don't know how we plan or get there together, uh, but I know that we're not even asking the right questions. We're not thinking about um, what's the way to take care of people. And the biology of the planet at the same time um, in a way that's going to have a sustainable uh, a survivable future and uh, but to me that's a fun question
0: you're listening to Savage Minds and we hope you're enjoying the show please consider subscribing we don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you now back to our show
1: With invasive species, you know, uh, we should call them co-invasives because we come in and you know, whether it's Australia, the U.S., wherever it is, and uh, we change the landscape and um, we alter things. Uh, you know, we in the U.S., ninety-nine percent um, of the tall grass prairie, the ancient prairie that used to support mammoths and mastodons, and then supported the uh, those enormous herds of um, buffalo, ninety-nine percent are gone. There's less than one in Texas. It's less than one tenth of one percent uh, is left, and the uh, no, one of the number one threats is putting up solar panels. But um, then, then we bring in these species that don't belong, and between our disturbance um, of the environment and us bringing in these species, then they then they run rampant. Um, it's much more difficult for an invasive species to get established in a, in a a native ecosystem. It, it can happen and does happen to disastrous effect, but it's hard to even determine um, that because we've altered basically every ecosystem on earth. Um, so when I was talking about earlier, like, well, how can you say that climate change isn't the, uh, again, climate change is gonna be horrific and it's changing everything. But in terms of destroying the biology of the planet, um, we're way ahead of it um, the an invasive species is one of these unheralded things co invasive species that we bring with us um, that just does an immense amount of damage and uh, we don't even hear much about it um, but in a sense when if we come into a continent and uh uh run machinery and plows and chainsaws over the entire landscape, um, you know right now we're experiencing all these fires and uh, all the smoke from um, Canada that's been drifting down all summer. But if you take a look at what's happening in Quebec or Ontario, the logging is just ferocious. There's a, just hellacious amounts of logging that have been going on and on and on. And yes, climate change, but yes, logging, especially clear cutting, dramatically changes the weather patterns, the heat, creates drought, uh, begins to release the carbon from the soil. Um, releases it from the trees if they're burning it for biomass. Um, Just, you know, all you have to do is walk from the woods into a field um, and to see the difference in temperature.
0: I remember when I was living in New York, the difference it would make just to even leave any street, even in the village where the buildings aren't tall, just to go into a small park like Tompkins Square or well, Washington Square is very cement, but um, there are some angles there, or of course, Central Park. And now they're finding that Manhattan might be sinking. They didn't think of this years ago.
1: Hmm. That's a very interesting. Yeah, it could be sinking. And again, um, for nature, how is that a problem? For us, it's a problem. So the environmental moment has become one where there's this religion of nature that's kind of in there somewhere some care for nature but it's really become very it's all about us um the um somebody just sent me an article um that says the um this was in uh, physics.org a pretty reputable science site that um you know when only maybe 20% of the trees in a watershed are harvested. Um, The floods increase, right? Um, The the wildfires increase. Um, The things that we associate with climate change are part and parcel of ecosystem destruction. Um, Is is that making? am I making any sense with this thread here?
0: Yes, and people don't want to think about their relationship with, I guess, their input into this, right? Everyone And this is something I have a bit of an issue with where everyone wants to, yes, get mad at Exxon, get mad at all the tankers that have spilled in the ocean. But what do we do as individual consumers who buy from these companies? They're not, they're not bringing biscuits on those tankers. And what can be done in order to shift the discussion towards, again, population control seems to be something that we not only need to discuss urgently, but I think we need to stop stigmatizing it as a step in towards Nazism, you know, the, the accusations.
1: How many women have been forcibly raped in the last century? Billions? It's more than millions, right? It's probably billions. Yet somehow, you know, uh, how many women have been prevented, forced to have pregnancies because they don't have access to birth control, or family planning? Um, It's it's so somehow this, yes, nobody should be forced, shouldn't be forced sterilization, there shouldn't be. I don't use the word population control at all ever. um, For for a reason, which I'll explain. But the flip side of this is forced, being forced to have children being forced to carry a pregnancy to term. Uh, In the US it's happening even if you detect it right away, uh, the pregnancy, your choice has been taken away. These things are affecting hundreds of millions to billions of women. And yet, um, all we hear is like, Oh, you can't talk about population, because you know, so, but What I'm interested in, in um, my future work, and uh, is there are places where the population is declining naturally. Now, some of that's because the in places where consumption is through the roof. Um, Some of it's in places for other reasons. Um, I think I'm more in favor of studying, you know, where and how are people living in a way that their numbers are are headed in the right direction? Um, What are the factors that are involved here? Um, What are the factors in which our consumption uh, is, um, you know, as, as, um, and Shiva said in the film, you know, we don't measure happiness anymore by, um, you know, anything that's human or biological. We measure it by, you know, how many, you know, I mean, people are, you know, not to offend anyone. Well, I guess it might offend it, but it's like, you know, we're all proud. It's, oh, look, I've got a daughter studying in Australia and I just flew off to this film festival and, you know France, and oh look, now I'm going to Palm Springs, and now I'm. It's like, you know, we're secretly proud of these lives in which we depend on vast quantities of fossil fuels to get us all over the planet. Um, you know, you mentioned um, something about tourism. I happen to live near a national park. There's eagles, there's um, shorebirds, there's turtles, there's all this wildlife. Soon as everybody comes, the summer hordes arrive. They all go into hiding. Uh, There's swans um ducks and the river here there's it's the only river in michigan on lake michigan which is maybe two or three hundred miles of shoreline it's the only river in michigan that flows into lake michigan that doesn't have um you know a dam or any development on it um and there are so many people canoeing down this river. It's like wall to wall. You're like bumping into people. It's like a big it's like some, it's it's like some version of after an English soccer match or something, it's just, you know, maybe not that bad, but it's wall to wall people going on this wilderness thing um, and our national parks are all like that. It's like, wow, you know, what happened with falling in love with your own backyard, you know, we, we just so um, But this just is my world where we have to think of a different way of of, uh, measuring happiness. And I don't know my neighbors. We're so separate from each other. You know, um, we don't have front porches anymore where we can enjoy each other and and, uh, visit with each other walking down the street. At least in America, we don't. Hardly have them at all. Everybody's inside. So, Um, but I want to make sure if you had any questions you were going to ask me or you you said you've been waiting a while or any... um, Ask anything, even if it's, um, you know, whatever there's there's no question that, you know, that's off limits about because you were trying to reach me when some of the um, greatest criticism, criticisms were happening.
0: Yes, I was really taken aback that you received so many. And then given my work on the gender debate, I wasn't surprised because you're not allowed to question. Uh, How many meters for social distancing is good? Do the masks work? Do the vaccines work? Are men women? Is feminism destroying the planet? I mean, these are crazy things that I've seen in all my work over the years. And I think the debate or the discussion needs to happen. I was alarmed that it took the form it did. And in fact, I pulled out some articles that honestly, some of these writers, uh, they might want to erase their journalistic presence at some point there's one by tom athanasiu who wrote why planet of the humans is crap that's the title now what's interesting about his piece i'll quote it is he tries to debunk your film but doesn't really offer any debunking this is the weird thing and this is very typical in the gender debate well that's because you're a turf Of course, if someone self-identifies as a woman, they're a woman, well, uh, no, actually science matters. I mean, the enlightenment was a thing. So he writes, once you get beyond the pro-solar rock concert bullshit, Gibbs' rap against renewables is embarrassingly wrong. Not all of it, but most of it. Moreover, it's fantastically dated. He seems not to even know that the net energy analysis of renewable energy systems is a thing, which is odd, because Richard Heinberg is an expert in this field and Gibbs embeds him at the center of the narrative. I mean, seriously? So he's basically saying Heinberg was one of the first talking heads in your film, if not the first, that you've bamboozled someone, you know, it's just insane. Right. Heinberg Heimber- right. has long been pessimistic about the potential for renewables to produce net energy on the scale we'll need and here he says that we're getting in some cases no energy from these potential options which is what gibbs wanted right so i'm giving you one quote from this article respond to some of the criticisms I, you don't have to just respond to this obviously sure. there's, as you know there were many i tried to read through them to find any kind of coherent gotcha on you but i wasn't able to
1: there's nothing specific in there it's just saying you know um yes yeah. It's throwing out some, um, generalities and it, it, these are people generally speaking that work in the tech industry or are closely aligned in it or invested in it, or they have their own electric cars or they um, so most of these people were not, um, just kind of, um, what you would call just civilians out there without, without a dog in the fight or whatever, however you want to say it, but they, um, yeah, the, um, I didn't I didn't put energy energy return on energy invested in the movie something I've known about for decades because it takes some kind of a willing ignorance you know um, to even think of that as a valid concept yes it's it's slightly useful but the idea that you can compare energy that only arrives when the sun is shining right now it's cloudy right clouds just rolled in it's one of the hottest days of the summer so the solar panel output right now it's four o'clock too so the output of solar panels doesn't matter how efficient they are drops drastically once you get away from that 10 to 2 period um and the wind did pick up so i guess the windmills could be kicking in so but now we have two systems you know uh because the sun isn't so effective today and it's one of the hottest days oh i guess we're going to have wind um, but I was just looking at some video from Texas of all the wind turbines uh, taken during their heat wave. And the, the wind, at least when these videos were taken, and they were, they were kind of random. Somebody was just looking at the blades that were being, um, uh, they were they're, they're taking off blades that were only uh, less than 30 years old and replacing them already, uh, just like I say in the movie. So, um, But you can't compare uh, a kilowatt of energy that you can turn on when you want it um, and turn off when you don't want it. With energy that only comes when it it's wanted, um, and then oh, well, okay, we have storage. But as soon as you say, okay, we're going to have um, solar for when the sun's shining, and then wind for when the wind's blowing, but maybe the sun's not shining. But that still is not enough. So now we're going to have battery systems. Uh, if you study battery systems, you know it's pretty easy to pull up articles that say that's never going to work at the scale needed. So now we're going to have battery systems. Plus, we're going to have these giant, enormous pump storage, which are hydroelectric dams of a sort that are tremendously environmentally destructive. So, just to put a point on it, um, the energy return on energy invested is a ridiculous argument because you have to have multiple systems, usually including nuclear or fossil fuel, to run both concurrently and then to kick on later in the day when the wind might drop off and the sun's not shining. You have to have three, four, five systems. All these require transmission lines and infrastructure Then the storage systems. So that's, you know, they didn't bother to have the discussion and to ask me, why didn't you include that? Because it's a it's a it's a uh, horrible it's a distracting discussion um, to say that somebody worked out that you get paid back from the solar panels, the energy you put in after X amount of time. Well, you can't run a grid on solar panels without these other systems. Uh, you can run a grid on a nuclear power plant or a gas power plant. Not saying I'm in favor of those. I'm just saying that's the physics. You can run a grid on those alone without having multiple other sources of energy.
0: That's one of the theses of your film was basically that scene uh, where you are talking with Ozzie Zahner who was at UC Berkeley who asked the same questions and he says that the most dangerous thing out there right now is that alternative energies are not really different from fossil fuels and in, in the fact that people are not actually replacing fossil fuels with the other it's just an addition and then he goes into discussing how solar panels are not made from sand and you show that very beautifully in your film and you got a lot of heat from the Sierra Club. Can you tell our listeners about that? Because I just found this very interesting. These are what my friend Ken Watson used to call white flannel, sort of that very posh, Ian Forrester type films where everyone's just posh and their daily struggle is to get to tea. And this is something that really struck me about the Sierra Club in general from when I saw them doing their PR back in the day in the 90s, especially they had a lot of elite well to do people well intentional people flooding them with money. Because if you can make people feel guilty about something and get them to pay into the recuperation of that trouble, whatever that trouble might be. Look at what UNICEF does with putting starving children's faces on calendars, which were you to do it here or in Flint, Michigan, you'd go to jail. It would be illegal because now there are laws about the reproduction of these images. But these these businesses get a pass of doing things that would a lot of other people to do them. They would be in trouble. Could you talk about what happened with the Sierra Club?
1: Oh, I think you're talking about the investment criticism that we had the uh, So if you've seen the movie, if you haven't, the um, uh, later in the film where I realized that the um, um, the environmental movement and capitalism have basically merged the the um, not the grassroots environmentalism, which, by the way, there's been a at least all over the US uh, people are fighting um, destruction of, of nature, for not only pipelines and fossil fuels, but for solar arrays, and wind turbines, um, mines, there's like several, uh, div- there's dozens of these things in Michigan alone, between the mines, the solar, wind, um, battery factories that are clearing previously fit, pristine areas. So, But at the end of the film, you see um, these investments, uh, these long lists of investments that are bizarre, that are in these funds that the Sierra Club directs you to and then org, Bill McKibben's group, and Bill McKibben direct you to and I just couldn't believe it. There were mining uh the Sierra Club um, fund you were directed to was the worst mining and uh, all this uh, logging um, fossil fuel companies, Gazprom, this Russian giant, um, this Russian national gas giant. So uh, so, how they tried to parse it was, oh, this, this, um, oh, what's, I can't remember what the name of the fund was now, but this giant fund you were being directed to, to their website. Oh, no, that's, there's a special fund within this fund that the Sierra Club money would go into that doesn't involve these. It's like, um, and the reason this, this hedge, this green hedge fund, had this diversity is that they wanted to, um, they, you know, the, if they knew if they put all their money into these supposed green things, um, that, that was not a, you know, they wanted to diversify their portfolio, but the way McDonald's and all these companies got in there is like, I'm just making this up. And let's say McDonald's just decided to use, um, um, paper wrapping, wrapping instead of, um, plastic for their Big Mac, or they, they decided to get, um, you know, carbon neutral eggs or something. So these giant companies got included in these investment um, portfolios, by just doing one little stupid thing that qualified them as green. So yeah, they were, they were pretty pissed off. And that's one of the reasons they had to really just kind of try and destroy the film and destroy. Again, they couldn't destroy Michael Moore, but you know, destroy Ozzie and I's uh, ability to, um, to get out there was um, that we really showed that they've, they've drunk the Kool Aid, they've gotten into bed with billionaires and bankers. And um, my question is, when you get in bed with these people, do they change? Or do you change? It's not them that's going to change. Who's who's outwitting each other, the billionaires that can afford to hire the top thinkers on the planet and um, or Sierra Club, um, who's actually eager to get the money because after all, you have to pay your salaries to live in San Francisco and in Marin County, right? And that's you're not going to raise that from hippies.
0: Is it ethical to get these pineapples from halfway around the planet uh, over getting something nearby? Is it perhaps unethical, given the world we're living in, that we go and take a trip. You saw all the complaining about ecological issues from the very people taking private jets, politicians, heads of NGOs, this
1: is the tension that we live in. And I'm, you know, I did go to Palm Springs this spring, and I haven't been on a plane in 20 years. But I've been invited to Europe, I have to decide whether to um, come this this fall. So, but the um, the thing that we're not ex- examining I, I'm, is that, um, we just, we don't learn to have any off switch. So once we start, once I went from, um, very rarely flying to working in the film business, it's, it was like that fly to Europe for this flight to LA for this meeting, you know, fly to Texas fly, you know, so it was like, I had to live with a, um, you know, the laptop and a, uh, and a backpack, you know, so it's, um, you know, there it's, going to from America to Europe for my once in a lifetime trip as opposed to going there for a meeting right or the the, or the reverse. Um, Having ships that will uh, maybe take you know a few days to get across the ocean, but um, you know that aren't these big you know extravagant cruise ships. um, You know that that might slow us down, you know it's like so I you know I have friends that fly everywhere and uh, friends that don't fly it's just. I'm glad to hear that there's an airport protest. I think it's the discussions that we need to have. There's no there's no such protest in the U.S. And if you want to make somebody mad, uh, it just suggests that we re-examine our flying. Um, but in the same, but there's our technology. It's just the way that we're thinking is, is it's gotta change and the way we're living is going to change. So the, the only question is, um, are we going to do this before the boom gets lowered on us? Or are we going to just wait? And um, so that's, that's really why I made the movie to kind of um, destroy some of our illusions. And, um, and uh, yeah, just it's just so funny. Richard Heinberg. um, um, You know, I love Richard Heinberg. He's a hero. He said some very wise things. But okay, why is which Richard Heinberg occasionally say some things that sound pro renewable? Well, he's got, you know, um, he's got an organization, the Post Carbon Institute, um, that he, that he has been part of for decades. And, um, I don't know if he still is or not, but when you're trying to raise money, if you completely say in no case, are renewable is going to work and we're going, it's going down the wrong road, you're not going to raise any money. Who's going to fund that? You can go to the pro nuclear people, but now you've kind of, um, I'm advising people that 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 are against renewables to not go down the the pro-nuclear road, even if you believe in that, because, um, again, it, it's just one more way of avoiding the fact that humans have limits, um, and you're not going to, you know, um, what are we going to have nuclear-powered airplanes? I mean, it's just it's nuclear-powered battleships. Well, so I guess we have those nuclear-powered um, chainsaws. I mean it's still the same game. And that's even if renewables did everything that they say, that is really the overall point of the movie. It's, it's, it's the same, it's the same game, you know, uh, solar powered chainsaws, yippee, solar powered bulldozers, solar powered giant trawlers that have nets kilometers long that are dragging the last fish from the ocean. That's the issue, not whether they're powered by solar, nuclear, or fossil fuels. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about all this and, uh, um, I'm hoping that people will go to the website and if people have any comments to, um, email me, uh, and, um, I'm just trying to figure out what to do next. So
0: you went from producing to directing. I imagine you were stepping your foot in a new terrain to a degree. Did you expect this kind of pushback or had people warned you that this was going to happen?
1: Um, well, some people say, I better have a good security system. Um, but oddly enough, that was about the uh, criticism of biofuels and biomass, because what's funny is those are really the agriculture, which is biofuels, and logging or deforestation, which is biomass, um, are two of the most powerful forces in the planet. We tend to think of fossil fuels as the dangerous ones. But those, you want to talk about people being killed and murdered and, and indigenous people being driven off their land. And, um, and that, you know, those are the two big ones A fossil fuel lobby is kind of a little toy soldiers compared to them. But, um, no, I had, um, my involvement as a producer was really in the creative part and, in the, in the helping think through and, and, uh, make some scenes happen and helping Michael put together the, the movie. So I. I've been involved in this stuff since I was a teenager and a writer since I was a teenager. So, um, so that that was so it wasn't, actually, I wanted to make a movie about the dying trees back in the 90s. And that just kept going and going and going to become Planet of the Humans. But I knew a little bit because uh, around the early 2000s. No, where was this 2009 2010 actually, um, they were going to build Bring four biomass, you know, it's four tree burning power plants to northern Michigan, right near the town where I lived. And I kind of stopped and slowed down. And uh, I wrote the first article that I know of against biomass that was published in Huffington Post. Uh, Then they disconnected my account (laughs) after two of those articles. um, Literally, they they zeroed, they got rid of my account. Um, The. And so some of the same things happened then. It's like um, somebody from Van Jones' organization um, that was from here um, started commuting from San Francisco partly for the purpose of working for the utility to promote this tree-burning power plant. They hired four uh, PR companies in the end. They brought in people from several universities. They brought in people from the state. They brought in people from uh, uh, Western Canada. so It took a couple of years, but I went from just me to everybody in the community be against these biomass plants and they had to withdraw the plans. And I don't, th- I don't think there's been one built in Michigan since. So but I saw, yeah, they they were they would call us names. You know, the um, the guy from Van Jones Group uh, wrote an article calling us. We must be getting funding from the Koch brothers. Me, Michael Moore one of his friends and producers um, living on nothing in a rental house. It's like, you must be getting money from the Koch brothers. Cause we're not, in fact, you're in fact, what's funny is some of the local group, environmental groups quietly were funded by, um, this oil and gas trust. <laughs> so I'm like, it's not, it's not me getting. So I went through this and I saw how the environmental groups stood on the sideline. I saw how they tried to take credit. Uh, when we stopped these things, um, Sierra club did send one person. It was unclear whether they were officially there, but um, yeah, it was so uh, you know, just uh, in closing, I've seen that you can stop things, I've seen that change can happen. I'm I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe we were capable of changing. Um, and I don't care what the ads are, I don't care if it's 50 50 or if it's one in a million. I think telling the right story and give a, giving ourselves a chance to um preserve a planet full of life that will preserve us is. That's the battle of our time, and um, it's fun to be in it and not just taking it.